This past week, I had an opportunity to um, talk with a man who was coming through town, just passing through, and he uh, had called, uh, I guess this was on Thursday, and he said, I'm, I'm coming up from Alexandria, or I have come up from Alexandria, um, and I just wanted to check, somebody had given me your name and uh, phone number and said that uh, maybe I could contact you and get a little help. I'm looking for some work to do. Thank you, Monica. Probably Monica, given uh, that I uh, have some, some work uh, that I could possibly do. He said, my backpack is all torn up. He said, that's all I have. I, I walked from Alexandria, and I came here thinking that I could find a job. This guy's probably in his mid-50s. Walked uh, all the way up here with that, just that one pack. And he is staying at a local shelter here while he is looking for work. And he said he has been all over. He cannot find anything. Uh, for him to be able to uh, just to provide him with some income. And so uh, he said, if you could just give me enough uh, work to be able to earn $29, there's a backpack at Walmart that I really need. And it's not a big backpack, but it's just something that will keep things dry. And he said, I keep my Bible. Uh, I, I take that everywhere I go. And I just I thought, okay, sure. You know, that's what everybody says when they come by. They want to uh, be able to get some assistance or... Um, he said, uh, you know, I try to keep my socks and, and those things that, that are dry. And so I said, well, uh, sure, I, I don't have any cash that I can give you, but I'll see if I can find something for you to do. And then I just began to think, no, this is really something that we need to do for him. Well, he came by uh, the next day. I uh, came up here at noon, and I still I did not have any cash. We don't make it a practice of handing out cash. Uh, sometimes we will go and help someone get some gas, or we will help pay a light bill to get the utilities back on, or uh, things of that nature. And so uh, as we were, uh, as he came up here and we met and we began to talk, I just sensed that there was something very interesting about this guy. And we started to talk and got in my truck and headed on over to Walmart. And whenever you don't know someone, you kind of think, uh, I wonder if this is my last moment <laughs> right here. <laughs> I was kind of looking. I let him go out first, making sure he didn't have a you know, weapon or anything. And so as we got out to the, uh, the car, you know, just started talking, and he started telling me a little bit about his story. And he said, uh, I'm trying to get to Fort Smith, Arkansas. He said, I went to the library, and I looked up some jobs, and they have some jobs there. And I said, well, how are you going to get to Fort Smith, Arkansas? And he said, well, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk up there, and, and then uh, I'll be able to find what I'm looking for. And he said, that's, that's why I need a really good backpack. And he began to talk about life at the shelter. And I'm not going to mention which one, but he uh, just was, was talking about uh, how negative everyone is over there. He said, I just need to get out of there. I need to get away from there because everyone, and he mentioned how they are in the dark there, that they are so negative that it, it's just like... Uh, uh, something that would be contagious and bring him down. And he said, I, I just don't want to be around that. He said, I don't understand that. Most of the guys that are staying there really don't want to get out. They get three meals a day. And uh, on the weekends, they get to stay there all Saturday and Sunday and watch TV. He said, they just really have no incentive to go. He said, I'm looking for something I can do. He said, I don't take handouts. I really don't want uh, anybody to, to hand me something. I want to get out there and, and make some money. And so I took him over, and we looked, and sure enough, there was one backpack left that was exactly the same one he wanted. And so he purchased it, and as we were standing there in the aisle, I said, well, do you need anything else? And we were in the camping aisle there, and, and he started to look around, and 
the one thing he picked out was some DEET, some uh, off, you know, uh, bug repellent. I think DEET may be illegal, but off, uh, so that he could carry it with him on his trip. And I said, are you sure that you don't eat anything else? There were all kinds of things there that I'm sure would have been helpful for him on his walk, even a, a water canteen. And he said, uh, he said no, I, I don't want to take anything else. And so uh, after several attempts of trying to get him to get something for his journey, uh, we headed on out of Walmart, and he was so thankful. He was so uh, glad that uh, he could have that backpack. And as we were coming back, I was, it was about lunchtime, and so I pulled into Wendy's, see if he wanted something to eat. And again, he didn't want anything, and I had to uh, just buy something and hand it to him for him to be able to take. I don't know what happened to him. He was leaving uh, that next morning, Friday morning, to uh, start making his way up north. But I just thought about how incredible uh, a story that is. Here's a guy walking to find work. All he has is his Bible and uh, maybe a pair of socks and a shirt and, and just a few basics that he needed for life. And he kept talking about how important it was to be positive. And I'm thinking, man, you don't have really anything to be positive about in this situation. And yet he continued to talk about that and how God would take care of him, how God has taken care of him all throughout the years, and he didn't know everything that was going to happen on his way to Fort Smith, but he trusted God. I wondered, how can I be more like that guy? How could I live my life in such a positive way that I could overcome whatever negatives come into my life? Well, that's what our text, one of our texts that we heard here this morning, uh, this evening, tells us, and that is that there is a way to keep your heart and, and to keep on going in the midst of affliction. And it's right there in Paul's text in 2 Corinthians. And if you have your, your Bible, look in there at 2 Corinthians. If, if you don't, um, you can look there on the back of your bulletin. And it, it uh, gives us the scripture. I think I may even have this up here on the, uh, the screen. But the, really the first thing that Paul tells us, if we are going to be able to continue on and to stay positive in the midst of the afflictions that we have. And, and if I were to sample all of you tonight and just ask, uh, what are your afflictions? I guarantee you, you could give me at least one. Uh, there's something in your life that is afflicting you in some way or another. Maybe it's a disease. Maybe it's a relationship. Um, maybe it's your job. Maybe it's something going on at your house. I mean, there are all kinds of things that uh, come into our lives uncontrollably. They just come in and we have to deal with them. And we have really two choices. We can be negative about them or we can be positive. And what Paul is telling the church at Corinth is that, that they can keep their hearts, and that's the language that he uses. We'll look at that here in a second. But that they can keep on going and be positive in the midst of difficult times based on several things that he has found in his own life. And the first one of those is believing. That in order to continue on and, and to find a way through the difficulties of your life, to believe. Paul mentions this, uh, he says in verse 13, but just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture, I believed and so I spoke. And he's quoting from David here. He says, uh, we also believe and so we speak. And he's talking about this dynamic relationship between believing and speaking. And if you look at his life, he is continuing to go from city to city as people are hunting him down, trying to get rid of him because he is talking and preaching about the resurrection. He is using his words. He's not just keeping an intellectual um, 
idea or philosophy about the resurrection or about his faith in God. He is living out his faith, and so he is using his words to, to match in with his belief. And he says, we also believe, and so we speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. So Paul is writing to a group of Christians in Corinth who have already endured a lot of affliction. They have had Roman soldiers and, and government officials and people come in and try to interrupt what they're doing with their faith. They also have just the normal sufferings and problems that come into anyone's life. And so Paul is trying to encourage them, but he's saying, this is what has happened with me and, and with those of us who've been on this missionary journey. We have put our belief with our words. We've put our words with our belief. We have continued on in, in full trust that God is going to take care of us, that He is going to, and even if we die, even if our bodies give way, that uh, we have confidence because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. So, in other words, there's complete hope there that he could carry on. There's a, a, a quote from, I know you all read Goethe a lot, Johann Goethe. <laughs> but he's ever quotable. Uh, Man is made by his belief. As he believes... So he is. I love that. As we believe, so we are. Whatever you believe about yourself is probably what you are. If you believe that, that you're a terrible person, if you're a terrible mom, or you're, you're a terrible employee, or um, you're, you're a terrible citizen, then you probably are because that's what you believe about yourself. But if you believe that you are a child of God, if you believe that you have esteem and worth no matter what, no matter what you've done or what has been done to you, if you believe that you have a future, if you believe that you uh, are loved by God, then you are. And you begin to experience that in your life. And what Paul is saying here is in the midst of your affliction, in the midst of your hardships, believe in what God has done for you and what God will yet do for you. There's another uh, good quote here from Thoreau. He says, live your beliefs and you can turn the world around. That's a great thing to take with us as we go into this next week. Actually, I'm not sure. I'm going to youth camp. Um, <laughs> live your beliefs and you can turn the world around. What does that mean for us as individuals with our belief? And what does it mean for us as a church? And in what way is God trying to turn the world around? We look at the world and we just talk about how bad it is and how things have, especially here in our city here recently, we've talked about the violent um, killings and, and just all the, I guess all killings are violent, but all the violent things that have been taking place in the different neighborhoods. Donnie Tisby was telling me today as I invited him to, to come tonight, just checking on him to see if he needed a ride. He said, I can't be there tonight. My cousin's daughter was killed. Uh, she was the one killed over on Rex Street, right here in the Highland neighborhood. Uh, somebody busts down the door, comes in, shoots and kills her. Donnie said, I need to go and be with my family. Just another reminder of how bad things are. Yet God has called us to move into places and situations where there are afflictions and hardships and difficulties and to believe and to realize it's not just an abstract thought. It's not just, okay, well, I'm going to come on Sunday and recognize my belief or I'm going to affirm my belief in some kind of a confessional statement or a creed or 
I'm going to uh, just kind of recognize it maybe on Easter that, okay, I, I, you know, I intellectually believe that Jesus loves me and that he was willing to, uh, to come into this world and to live a life of love so that I could know of the love of God. We could continue to think about that on that level. But what we are really supposed to be doing is putting it into action, that it is really a concrete idea. As God calls you and me to get out into the neighborhood, to get out into our uh, relationships, to get out into our workplaces, to get out into the programs and services right here in this building or somewhere else, and to understand that God has called us to action. He has not called us to just sit around. And we really aren't a church that loves to sit around. We uh, are so active in so many different things. But that tendency is to kind of lay back a little bit and not do as much as we should. And God calls us to continue on to do the things that He wants. So it's really a matter of action and stepping out there. But uh, Paul also talks about the significance and the need for uh, not only being able to believe, but to be able to look. I was looking at this picture earlier. I think that's a contact around her eye on there. It's kind of a, a weird picture, but hopefully it'll stay in your mind as you leave, as you think about the significance of looking. What are we supposed to look at in the midst of our afflictions? Well, Paul mentions here in verse 18, he says, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. Well, that makes no sense. Well, it makes every bit of sense to Paul. And if you remember the life of Paul, he was persecuting Christians. He was uh, kind of the creme de la creme of his religion and of his religious sect. And as he was going around trying to stamp out this movement that was following Jesus, even after his death, he comes to the realization on this road to Damascus as this bright shining light, this epiphanal moment comes into his life and he, he falls down and he is blinded by what is uh, surrounding him, this magnificent light of Christ. And after this took place, we think, well, okay, that was Paul's conversion moment. He went right into ministry after that. But we tend to forget there were about three years that Paul spent in the desert as he was out there learning and understanding what it means to see something that he cannot see. And it's this mystical eye that's talked about in contemplative spirituality. It's, it's this uh, being able to see things much beyond what's on the surface. And uh, this verse really says it all. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. There's kind of an eastern feel to that, isn't it? Well, it's coming out of uh, an eastern place. And there is this idea of uh, being able to understand the depth of meaning. In something, Maybe it's just looking at the beauty of creation as Evelyn was talking about. Or maybe it's the beauty in a smile on a child's face. Or maybe it's as you read scripture and, and God just speaks to you right off the page. And you begin to understand and you look deeper to see what is not there. But what is really there. And so Paul is wanting them to understand. It doesn't matter what kind of problems are coming in your life. That there is, uh, there is something much deeper than what you see. And that what is seen is something much better than what you first imagined. There was a story that uh, I read recently by Associated Press. It was talking about a guy named Ken Gaffey who was uh, getting ready to uh, get married. And he and his uh, fiancée decided that they would have, they had two different residences. They would have 
a, a garage sale, just a combined garage sale, and they would sell off everything and give the do donation or give the money as a donation to Goodwill. And so they did this, and uh, there was a guy who came up to the garage sale who noticed that there was a copy of the Declaration of Independence that was hanging there on the wall. And so he decided to buy it, and I think he bought it for like $3 or something like that. Well, it turns out, uh, according to the Associated Press article, that there was a little bit more to it um, than just a copy of the Declaration of Independence. That Stan's trash turned out to be another man's treasure. That that particular version of the Declaration of Independence was a rare copy made in 1823. A man named Michael Sparks spotted it, and he purchased the document for $2.48. Yeah, $2 Sparks later auctioned it for $477,650. Not a real bad profit on that. Kathy, the previous owner, was later quoted as saying, I'm happy for the Sparks guy. If I still had it, it would still be hanging here in the garage, and I still wouldn't know it was worth all of that. And I was just thinking about what Paul is getting at here, that we have something that is within us, that God has hung something in our lives that He wants us to look more closely at. He wants us to understand that it, it's not just something that we've collected along the way, it is something that God has deposited within us. It is the uh, salvation of God for our lives. It is the love of God. It is the Holy Spirit as we just celebrated at Pentecost. It is all of that that God has placed within us. But we tend to just go about our day thinking, yeah, it's just something I've had for a while. But we need to look more closely at it. Are you looking at it in the midst of what's going on in your life, in the midst of your afflictions, in the midst of a hardship or a difficulty? Are you looking beyond that to, to recognize that even though God didn't cause that in your life, that, that there's some significance that you can bring out of that, that, that there's something that, that God wants to uh, be able to impart to you, even through the difficult times? And that's how God has represented Himself in Scripture. As we read it, we can understand that there, there is no defeat for God's purposes. That God has the ultimate victory, even over the hardships and the difficulties of our lives. And so we need to look beyond all of that. And we need to develop an eye to be able to see it. My brother, when we were, I guess up until about the age of seven, he had a, a patch on his eye. Uh, one of his eyes was weaker than the other. Uh, he just had to wear that every day, and a little black patch, and he would get it out, and there would usually be uh, uh, some gauze or something he would put underneath, and uh, I just kind of grew up seeing him that way until he was able to uh, have that corrected, and uh, as he would look through that one eye, it would, it would strengthen, it would be able to give him what he needed to be able to see, and the same thing is true, I think, with what Paul is saying here. We need to develop our spiritual eye so that we can understand all of what God has for us, even in the midst of difficult times. Our first tendency when something terrible happens is to run far away. And uh, I certainly know what that feels like, and I think you do too. We tend to get angry at God. I was uh, quoting something in a blog post. I, I know you all read my blog. And so, I, you know, I hate to repeat myself. But as, uh, as I was watching the Hatfield McCoys, anybody see that, Hatfields and McCoys? That's terrible that y'all watched that. It's like the bloodiest movie, <laughs> most violent movie ever. Shame on you for watching it. But as I was hearing about it, 
Um, and uh, one, of, one of the scenes in there is after, I believe it's the uh, McCoys, after their house is burned and they're running out the door, uh, the uh, other family, they're shooting at the house. And they, this, uh, there's this one scene where uh, the little daughter is killed and uh, another one where the son runs out the front door and he's trying to defend his family and he is shot dead. And then the mother, Mrs. McCoy, is beaten down with a rifle. And so the father returns, and he's so angry about what he sees and, and what has happened. And before this, he was a, a very, in his mind, a very spiritual person, a very Christian person. Would go to church and would quote scripture, but all of a sudden now, he, and one of the, the telling quotes in there is, how could a just God let this happen? Well, really, we all can ask that question, can't we? Some of the afflictions and hardships that we deal with in our lives could lead us to say the same statement, if, if not say it, to, to think it and to feel it. And I think in the midst of that, we have an opportunity to see something deeper. Again, I don't think God causes those afflictions, but He doesn't allow them to conquer us. And so we need to look beyond. But uh, we also need to renew. This is the... I think the final thing that Paul is getting at here is he begins to help them understand what's going on in their lives. The verse that's here in verse 16, so we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away. Now that's not true with any of you. But even though our, our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And if you go on and look at the rest of that chapter, in chapter 5, uh, you'll see how Paul just continues to uh, bring out the truth of that statement. Paul wanted them to understand that no matter what was happening on the outer part of their lives, that God was renewing them on the inner part, day by day, giving them the strength to continue on. There is a, a part here in, in the uh, little portion that we, we've looked at and, and heard here tonight. Right in the middle there, uh, it says, So we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away. So we do not lose heart. We keep our hearts in the midst of all this. Paul experienced that in his own life, and he wanted that to be true for them as well, for them to understand it. In the midst of your afflictions and difficulties and hardships, stay positive by allowing your soul to be renewed. How in the world can we do that in the midst of difficulties? Well, I think it, first of all, comes from realizing that no matter what it is, there is no waste of a circumstance or a situation. There's always something that we can appreciate and we can learn in the midst of all of that. That's what Paul saw in the midst of all of his. And we can do the same thing. But we also need to do it by allowing God to renew us in those times. It comes from having a, a, an open heart and a sensitive spirit to be renewed. We're in that time uh, of the, the year where things are starting to get pretty hot outside. And um, I noticed where we're going to camp tomorrow, it's going to be 98 degrees, and, uh, but no humidity. 98 degrees there in, in Sherman. And uh, it's just going to be a hot week and we're moving into a hot summer. And so we, we understand what it means to be refreshed and to be renewed. But I, I want to ask you just about your soul. When was the last time you really understood what it meant for your soul to be renewed? 
We can get beat up by so many things in life. Are you allowing God to renew your soul? It's not going to happen in a crowded place. It's not going to happen uh, while you have all of your multimedia going on. It's not going to happen if you're so busy that you're not taking time to sit and to be still and to know that God is still God. There is a, a, a flower that's in Alaska called fireweed. Uh, I guess appropriately enough, but it's a, a really powerful weed. Uh, I have to be careful. Powerful weed. It, it is a powerful weed, and uh, I'm glad y'all aren't with me on that. Uh, but one of the, the things that uh, was noted, this was uh, something that Ted DeHaas had written about in an article, and uh, he just says it's one of the most beautiful wildflowers in Alaska. And this delicate purple-pink blossom uh, it has a number of uses as a tea, Firewood is, uh, is good for upset stomachs, for coughs, and for asthma. Applied in other ways, it treats bites, cuts, and eczema. The blossoms are also used to make flavorful jelly or honey. And fireweed is so named because it is the first plant to bloom after a fire. When the smoke clears and the earth cools, these flowers emerge from the blackened earth. Fireweed covers the landscape like a stunning quilt, trading beauty for ashes. And you can see that in the picture. It doesn't take long for something beautiful to come out of the ashes. What Paul wants us to understand, what God wants us to understand today is that no matter what the affliction, no matter what the difficulty, stay positive. Keep your heart. There's something better on the horizon. Let's pray.